0: Is there a link between the kinds of psychedelic experiences that I talk about on this channel and other altered states like those described by religious mystics or near-death experiences? To explore this topic, I'm speaking with Curtis Childs from the Swedenborg Foundation, which is an organization who studies and follows the teachings of an 18th century mystic called Immanuel Swedenborg, who had many experiences which will sound very familiar to those of us who use psychedelics, where he talks about leaving his body visiting divine realms and communicating with external entities such as aliens and the creator of the universe. So yeah, there is a lot here I could relate to. Curtis is a scholar of Swedenborg and hosts a YouTube channel called Off The Left Eye where he unpacks these ideas and reframes them for a modern audience and I'll leave a link to that in the description below. Now, a quick explanation. I was recovering from a throat infection at the time we recorded this, so my voice sounds a little bit strange, so apologies for that. Hopefully you can put up with it, because this is a fascinating conversation. And even though we're coming at these experiences from very different perspectives, the amount of common ground here really is quite remarkable. So, without any further ado, I bring you Curtis Childs from the Swedenborg Foundation.
1: So, I am here with Curtis Childs um, from the Swedenborg Foundation. I believe, it's, is, is that the right... Pl- right form. got it yep yeah and this kind of conversation has come around um basically somebody who'd want as part of your foundation had seen a few of my videos heard me talking around some of these sort of quite um bombastic concepts and figured yeah. it would be interesting for you and I to have a conversation because I think bombastic concepts is uh <laughs> is, is quite woven into the nature of of uh, of your belief system and right. I think I think there's also, I say, belief system because I suppose you are coming at it from more a religious angle, whereas I'm, I guess, coming from more of a kind of an experiential angle. But let's, let's, I mean, introduce yourself, Curtis. How would you sure. describe yourself and what you do?
2: Man, so my name is Curtis Childs and I'm vice president of programming at the Swedenborg Foundation. And that was great. Yeah, you pronounced his name, right? You get all kinds of pronunciation on that. But S- Swedenborg was essentially... 1700s top scientist uh in europe one of the top ones inventor politician um part of the mining industry in sweden which was a very powerful industry so he was doing a lot of things really well but then he started to tell everyone that he was like talking to spirits and traveling out of his body and that changed his whole trajectory of his life all the um People that he used to hang out with thought he was weird. didn't want to didn't want to talk to him in the same way, and so you end up with with um, him having a very different legacy than he could have. But since since the time that he started writing about these experiences he was having, there's been some a lot of interest in the concepts and what they might reveal about the nature of life, and so. Uh, the Swedenborg Foundation has been pub- keeping his works published and translated. He wrote in Latin originally for about 170 years now. So I'm just sort of the latest in that line of taking these ideas and, and diving in to see what um, what his really organized description of some kind of inner world uh, can tell us about what we go through day to day.
1: Okay, and <clears throat> just to put a kind of a, a, a nutshell, I. I, I totally appreciate I'm trying to condense I'm just trying to bring out the, the sure. audience up to speed on where we're at, but S- Swedenborg viewed this, this experience. So, so very sort of transcendent, uh, experiences, very reminiscent of what people who have, uh, psychedelic or shamanistic experiences would describe, but he encapsulated all this through a religious lens. And that's the kind of, that's the work that you're sort of carrying on today is, is it, it, it it's through this, like a, I don't know, is that a reasonable things to say through a, through a religious lens yeah. to it?
2: Yes, very. Like if you if you just open, mm. well, it depends on what if you open one of his published books. He's also got like his journals uh, that that have been since published, but he didn't mm. <laughs> intend to put through publication. If you just crack one of those things open, you will see a lot of Christian terminology. Like he he people will sometimes call him a Christian mystic, and he'll mm. talk in there about God and heaven and hell and the trinity and the bible so a lot of christian language definitely you would categorize him as a religious philosopher he's, he's a little harder to put in that mold than let's say like a uh, uh, martin luther or uh, somebody that that's just doing theology because he's also doing phenomenology like he's describing mm-hmm. like i this is not i'm thinking about god but this is tonight, this is what happened to me. There was two spirits that appeared in front of my bed, and they said this thing, and that meant this. And the, the, while he definitely is, is got a ton of Christianity in what he's doing, there's also been like, there was a guy named DT T. Suzuki, who was famous for bringing Zen Buddhism kind of westward, and he wrote this book about Swedenborg, it was called buddha of the north because he felt like the actual world swedenborg was describing mirrors very closely a lot of the core tenets of zen buddhism mm-hmm. he was and the stuff that he was saying about the way that the christian world works even like the nature of what the biblical text is and why it's valuable it in some ways lines up with christianity but it was it's also different enough that his works were put on trial in the theocratic state of Sweden there because they were saying these things that were far outside the bubble of Christian dogma. And you see some points of interaction between like people who have near-death experiences, people who have the kind of experiences you were just talking about, and the stuff he describes. So he's got a lot of Christianity in him for sure, but he's he's kind of hard to categorize in some of those ways and I think that's part of why he's remained so obscure even though he's influenced a lot of prominent artists and thinkers and um, human rights activists and things he's just like it's just hard for somebody to swallow the whole thing you know like okay I like the experiences but the Christian part or I like the Christian part but the experiences and um, add on top of that that he's writing in Latin which was like the language of the educated back then and it's be pretty dense and pretty technical it's just like that's part of why i'm trying to get people to understand the basics of it so they can see if it's something they feel like is is valuable but certainly you could you could pop open any book and you could see some very religious looking stuff in there
1: and and where do you personally sit on on that spectrum i mean if we can sort of cut to like the bread and butter question like yeah what 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 do you think is going on is on, on here like is do you, yeah. do you interpret as this a person having a psychological experience or a, is this like sort of a, a a divine gift bestowed upon him like what
2: yeah right um i i generally and i you know there i can only know to a certain extent i haven't ha- had these sorts of experiences like he's talking about um so i'm i just have to armchair it you know, I have mm-hmm. to read it and then see if I can, because he, he'll talk about the really bizarre stuff, you know, out on the fringes, like this is how, um, you know, the, the weird stuff of spirituality works. But he gives you some of the tools to go back and look for kind of the echoes of it and the way that your own mind works. So I'll try to follow that trail and see. It seems to me like he's onto something. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I, when I, the world, I think at this point that he's talking the world that he's talking about the the unseen spiritual world is this objective reality that's out there um it seem, seems to me like it, and it, from both that his ideas have been helpful to me and like when i am needed something to to organize my life in or something to trust or something they seem to provide Something when other stuff has not been as reliable, but then also the corroboration of near-death experiences or, or all kinds of other experiences. Um, so I would say that I'm into it. Like, I, I think, oh, this is cool. Like this, this, this mm-hmm. has helped me. And I, it's like, if you, if everyone was thirsty and you found water, you'd be like, well, I got to tell people that it's there. So I feel like I, I'm, I'm giving this to you. I don't, I'm not just curious, like this this is a fascinating intellectual thing. Like to me, I'm, I think this is really a value. So I want to make it accessible to you. So I, I, I. he doesn't ever say like what he was going through is a divine state that is somehow like the laws of regular life have been suspended for, just for him. Like this is something that like, like the way consciousness was supposed to be is you're aware of this dual reality, but mm-hmm. people have gotten... Basically, superficial enough that that usually that's not open. Um, so he had a very different life than you or I have day to day, just organically. But he's not saying this is I'm somebody that's doing something that's impossible for you to do.
1: Mm-hmm. I think when when I've um, I've only had a very um, brief introduction to stuff because in preparation for this conversation, I, I was right. watching the, a lot of the videos on on your channel and. Um, some of your associates I assume and yeah I think that there's a lot that I recognise and I think you referred to him as a mystic earlier on and I think that's I think a very appropriate label Um, because yes I mean kind of a lot of the, the terminology for the experiences that I go through within these kind of traditional shamanic sort of uh, experience, or even just, you know, the common psychedelics are often referred to as a a mystical experience because they do have this character of um, the the sacred, the divine, like you are. And I can very much relate to a lot of what what you've just said in that it feels um, incredibly organized when you, when you are there, there is, there is something about these states, which is not, Um, like random chaos. So I I think this is kind of where a lot of like the visualizations uh, break down. When you see something on TV where someone's on drugs, then you tend to see sort of things just melting and it's sloppy and things get fuzzy. But when you are actually in one of these states, and I'm not just talking about sort of a recreational being hired a party, but I'm talking about like when you are um, having no experience of being in your body when you are you are completely detached from this this reality there is a one to one reality replacement taking place almost yes. like almost like this fancy vr technology we've had now then yeah then yeah it is incredibly structured it's it is i mean people often refer to it as being like a programming code or like the the sort of like the the modular nature of the universe is kind of presented to you and so i kind yes. of I, I think it's very easy to to, to get behind those kind of concepts, what Swedenborg talks around, and as in that this is, um, yeah, this is just as much reality as 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 this reality. And in fact, a phrase yeah. that's often used in psychedelic circles is, "It's more real than real" because it it feels like that. It's 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 startling how yeah how real and vivid this experience is. It's like um, it doesn't feel like mushy brain farts going on. S- something is very organized here yeah, so, yeah.
2: that yeah no that's sorry go
1: ahead
2: i was gonna say that I, like i think that the same sort of thing that you're talking about where you have on tv the kind of journeys that you're going on are depicted as this weird mushy nothing but that's not the, really the way they are and i think that that's a lot of the time with spiritual things mm-hmm. like the experiences they'll it'll sort of seem like you, it's just the spiritual side of life is something that has no structure to it and no order and no um, laws that govern it. But I think that's what's part of what's remarkable about the world Swedenborg describes is that it just like the physical world, obviously, is organized by principles. And, it you know, what E equals MC squared is here and there. I don't know if that's still a valid equation or what, but it's it's like. There, there's a certain way things work. And I think it can drive people crazy when religious people start talking about this other part of life that doesn't seem to operate by any rational law. So it is it is like definitely um, in, an important part of it to, important part of what I enjoy about going through what he's talking about is that you see an explanation that has this order to it and this self-consistency mm. in it. Um, and the more real than real, yeah, it would have to be. Because why why would, if it's part of the same, you know, meta reality, why would it be less real?
1: Yeah. Can I just ask, would you sort of, how would you slice up the pie of, say, like, is spirit and spirituality, is that the same thing to you? So I've seen us like a lot of your videos where you're talking around, um, like, like, spirits in the room, there are spirits here around me. So this is, yeah. you know, is, is that... How you would define spirituality? The the presence of these things, or is because just a sort of preamble. Like the the the, sure. the the way I kind of interpret spirituality is as kind of a, is a a state of being. Um, so it would kind of almost be like you know I have I have this my my waking state I have my psychological state I have my emotional state. These are all kind of like magisteria that that are like overlapping through me. I'm the kind of the nexus point for these things. And, you know, I I could tell you I'm happy or that I'm in love and you would understand what I'm on about, but I can't, I can't display it. And sort of spirituality, I think is something like that. It's something I, I feel, it means something to me. I can tell when I'm aligned with it. I can tell when I'm being a knob, I'm, you know, I can tell when (laughs) when I'm not aligned with it. Yeah. And so, yeah, I'm just kind of wondering like, is, what would you define spirituality as? Is it, is it just the presence of, you know, the, what, what some people might call that the paranormal or.
2: Yeah. Right. Um, it's a great question. And I do think you can make a pretty clean distinction between the paranormal and then being spiritual as a lot of people will talk about it. Usually you use that, that word now to talk, to describe some Kind of like moral aspiration that you have, like I, I want to try and approach this in a spiritual way, meaning or, yeah, or like I'm... a higher
1: power. I think whatever that higher yeah. power is, whether it's yourself or or God right. or, or whatever your chosen thing is, but I, I think that's yeah, that's why I can't I kind of refer to it as an alignment. You, you, yeah, when you feel aligned with that higher power, you feel kind of spiritual, and when you, yeah, when you don't, you don't,
2: <laughs> yes, right. I so I think that Swedenborg will mm. uh, sort of use those terms interchangeably but i think the latin that he was writing in is a really succinct language so you have mm-hmm. to there's there's like a lot fewer words than english he i do think that you that so he'll talk about the spiritual dimension of reality so there's physical and spiritual and to him consciousness is spiritual so the part of you that's conscious is the spiritual part of you and the whole spiritual world is consciousness based so like in the physical world there is it is matter and energy based so for example gravity is like a that law is something that interacts with matter and it's what it's the reason why there's a earth here and why i stay on it instead of ghosts. it's it's the reason why i am where i am and where i why i can't it's it's physically based spiritually it would be um emotional and mental things Laws are what run it. So, for example, for, for him, love or like what you love would be like what you are into. So, what you care about, what you aspire toward, that sort of plays the role of gravity. So, people who love similar things move toward each other like um, bodies with mass would move toward each other in um, the physical world. So, that so you have the, the spiritual dimension of life. But then there's there certainly is this whole other side of it, which is, what is it to live a spiritual life? What is it to be a spiritual person? And that's actually, even though he has all this description of his spiritual experiences, which would to him would mean, he, he believes you have, so you've got a spirit and a body, so you have the physical and the spiritual part of you, and spiritual experiences are just when you become aware of the spiritual Side of your consciousness, rather than the physical side, which is part of why, like if you if you're meditating or something, you really get your physical senses to become quiescent, then you start to pop into spiritual things. Um, it would be about um, the, the spiritual journey is how about how you live and what you love, rather than just being aware that there's a, a spiritual world around you. Because even though he's talking so much about all these spiritual things the core of what he's writing about is um, you know the good life like what how, how do you behave well and ethically and spiritually because to him that is what um, the whole spiritual world revolves around because it's a, a world that's based on what you care about and what you what you believe or, or think or, or, or understand
1: yeah yeah I think there's, there's something something said there around kind of relating that kind of spirituality with with consciousness and I think this is i think you know a lot of the terminology that, that pops up in sort of modern cultures is of you know awakening sort of people who've who've awakened to these experiences because a lot a lot of the time in sort of our modern lives we're just so um, subdued by sort of you yeah. know, the, re- the repetition of, of 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 life or whatever or, or sort of bumped over the head with you know social media or tv or, or whatever whatever you yeah. sort of chosen opiate brain opiates Then, so yeah, so then when you have one of these kind of experiences, then, yeah, it does feel like, oh, well, now I'm conscious. Now, now this is the kind of the first thing, the the first kind of awakening there. So yeah, I think there is, there is some kind of um, association there between this kind of, you when you become sort of very like fully conscious, I, do you know what? I actually, I hate all this kind of pretentious language of, of like, sort of, <laughs> sort of like awakening and I'm like, I'm like higher being, I'm a higher awakened being and stuff like that. But yeah. I can't, but they are good kind of terms for how it feels to go, go through that. Can, can yeah. I just ask, is this something you've experienced yourself that did, did you go through one of these? Not, not throw my <laughs> mic around. Have, have you been, been through one of these kind of like, oh, Awakening experiences yourself, or or what what brought you to to where you are today?
2: Sure, I have not. I haven't ever had an overt experience where, like, where I you would say, "Well, that was something science doesn't explain," or something non physical, or something like that. I haven't. I've just been, but I've been very immersed in reading about other people's accounts. So Swedenborg extensively, but also uh, accounts of. Things like near-death experiences or all the other, the whole spectrum of paranormal or spiritual experiences that people have. And this is, especially since I got on the internet and started talking about these sorts of things, I really come to appreciate just how many different kinds of experiences there are and how many people are having them so much. So, But I haven't, I've had a lot of um, times when... The ideas in people's spiritual experiences have had a huge impact on me. I've had stuff that I feel like is right up close to that line where the, my interaction with my own thoughts and feelings is is getting really intense, and it's it feels like it's a mirror of what is described in these more overt spiritual experiences. But I've just I'm just like a regular a muggle, you
1: read Harry <laughs> okay. Potter. Like I'm, I'm just like, right,
2: like I, I I'm, I'm English um,
1: mate. It, it's mandatory to to read Harry <laughs> Potter,
2: yeah. but. I, I just uh, yeah, i i I think it I haven't ever quite gone across that. I mean, you know, I've had some dreams that that felt like pretty significant and stuff, but generally, I'm learning through through reading. And actually, I kind of like that because while a lot of people have had experiences, uh, a lot of people people haven't, mm. and I think that equips me to help try to communicate it, maybe to people who haven't that I'm trying to reach in there, understand it. But see it where I do see it, where it becomes real for me is in my regular day-to-day life. So one of the things that Swedenborg asserts is that there's this spiritual world and there are entities in it and there's all this intense stuff going on. But even if you're not aware of it directly, it affects your, your thoughts and your feelings. Because just like right now, the physical environment that I'm in, like the lights that are around me and stuff affects my mood. Mm. Um, The the place where I, I am somewhere spiritually, because I have a spirit, and it's got to have a location. And so I'm surrounded by a certain sort of climate or a certain community, and that affects how I think and feel. So it's been in studying the depths of Swedenborg's experiences and everything he says about how that world works, and then looking into my mind, particularly around, like I've had a lot of struggles with anxiety and depression like that. And when I was 18 or 17 or 18, I really started to have my first episode of that. And I was like Mm. obsessive compulsive. And I was really feeling like, wow, I have no control over my mind. And this, my mind is this weird hostile place. And it was in looking at Swedenborg's description of the spiritual world and mapping that onto what I was going through and then using some of his knowledge to, develop techniques to kind of control or, or survive my inner world, that's where it really becomes real to me or to take those principles and, and use them in like a regular sort of everyday way. But, but yet the the difference it does make in those parts of my life, that's to me, feels like, Oh, wow, that that's really handy that there, there must be something to it. So that's sort of where my, my real hook to it comes from.
1: Yeah. I think, I think for my, myself, it's the, the way I, I interpret a lot of these kind of experiences is that it's pure meaning. Um, it's hmm. like pure narrative. It's the kind yeah. of... I mean, we are kind of like storytelling creatures. We tell ourselves stories about how we interact with everything around us. And you, you get to one of these states where it is... Yeah, yeah I mean, it's not over overmiddly cliche. It is pure meaning. That, that's all it is. It's, it's completely non-material, um, yeah. But on somehow it means everything. you 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 kind of you pop the cork on the champagne bottle of your emotions and your experiences. It just lays out before you, and you assemble it, um, or it assembles itself into some sort of narrative structure, which yeah can make you can explain your place within the universe. It's it's incredibly profound, and a lot of people refer to these kind of experiences as being the most profound experiences of the life and. Th- not just within terms of psychedelic experiences, but also as you mentioned, with like um, near-death experiences, which again sound incredibly <laughs> similar to, uh, to psychedelic <laughs> I have somebody on on my uh, Discord server, so I'll just give a shout out to Mom Bart, um, who has had both kind of experiences, and yeah, describes a near-death experience as being. Yeah, just almost identical to sort of like a a DMT trip or something like that.
2: Yeah, that isn't that isn't that where you get a lot of DMT in your body is when you're dying naturally, right? So,
1: well, allegedly, I mean, that, that's that's kind of I don't think that's ever been proven. It's it's certainly. Oh, they don't know it, that. Yeah. No, no, it was a it was a it was a hypothesis put forward by a guy who was doing uh, DMT research, but it wasn't. It was just a, a a theory he put forward. He didn't sort of. it, it So yeah, the. the I think where where it was going with it was that because DMT is is a, is again perhaps an an endogenous chemical. It's kind of produced within our bodies. Again, perhaps I don't know if I, if that's been proven or not. Okay. Um, but that yeah, it could be the sort of the, the mechanism that links with with sort of dreams. Why dreams can be very vivid, and that also right. it, could be, it could be used as something to smooth over the transition as you go into you know. The next stage, so um, yeah, which, so I, you know, near well, that experience to go and then come back a little, you know, a bit,
2: right? And once so, sort of like the the world of different oh. experiences merging. I mean, for Swedenborg, it started with dreams for him that he he actually kept a the he he didn't used to have any of these spiritual experiences. He ended up during the period when he was writing the books that I talk about on my channel. He was having them. Constantly every day for for like thirty years, according to what he was reporting, which is remarkable in itself, but also gave him enough time to really get his feet under him and and get really particular about his recording everything. But for most of his life, up up until his like mid fifties, he wasn't having those at all. And when it all started, he was keeping a travel journal, uh, but during it, he started to record his dreams because his dreams had become more vivid. And this was like it was before it was. A thing really to do that i mean there wasn't a lot of it definitely wasn't a field of like psychoanalysis for your dreams or meaning in your dreams but he was writing them down and starting to write down like what he thought the recurring characters and symbols would mean in them and they started to take on more and more what he felt like was his personal meaning and it was during that time that they began to he began to then have these experiences in like the hypnagogic state Mm -hmm. but then all the way into when he was awake, he said in in a state of full wakefulness, he kept saying. So I just, there was like this, these two sort of um, these two, like when two rivers converge, he had the the dream world and the spiritual experience world sort of converged in him there. So I, I am fascinated by that. And that's, that's cool that to think of somebody who's had um, experiences with psychedelics and then with near-death experiences and being able to compare those two things together. That's, that's pretty fascinating.
1: Yeah, because I, I, I must admit, I was quite skeptical around sort of near-death experiences, and it was only through the description of, of this, this, this person that I, and, and how vividly she described it, and how I could sort of relate to it then from the psychedelics. I thought, okay, there's there's something here, and, and it tied into another very common theme when I first started sort of accessing these states, where it feels incredibly familiar. Like, when you get there, hmm. it is it, it, you you feel stupid at not realizing it was going to be this it's like, of, of course it's of course it's <laughs> going to it's going to be this tri transforming tesseract of pure knowledge and and you know the library of every event in the universe of course it's going to be this and and you'd feel this very um strong sense of coming home so yeah. again which is very also a very common theme um in uh, in near death experiences but i've got to ask, i don't want to sort of put you on the spot of or, or sort of sure. too much like tempting you to the dark side. But given that these these kind of your interest in the the writings of, of Swedenborg and that th- these kind of experiences kind of are available, have you never been tempted to take a step into the sort of the worlds that, that I describe? As, and I appreciate there's a yeah. sort of legality thing there, but certainly these things now right. are becoming sort of legal in in various places. So it kind of the experiences on offer to you. And I was just wondering what, yeah, what, would you want those kind of experiences? Yeah. And if, if if so, what stopped you so far?
2: Yeah, like why, why wouldn't I just jump in and do that? Um, let's see. So I haven't done it. And like I remember when I was younger, like I knew I had friends that were doing it, and I never quite, uh, I never quite wanted to I was a little like oh well there's a certain line that I don't cross like okay maybe I'll smoke pot but I won't do that right Mm -hmm. and but then since then I think like I've there's probably two reasons one is that I've got my I've got this project I'm working on in my current mind which is that I've got this particularly Swedenborg's material, and I'm using it painstakingly over all these years to develop this certain kind of way that I approach life and certain kind of um, state of of day-to-day operation that I get into. And I've just, I just don't want to mess with it. Like sure. I don't, like I don't, I don't know. Like it could be really great. I've people have talked to me and said, "Oh, this this has really helped me." Or, or it could. You know, be counterproductive to the particular it, it, it definitely interview.
1: can. I mean the, the yeah. like the analogy I used earlier, it is yeah, you, you pop the cork on these things and it just comes splurging out. Know, no, yeah. If you, you, you also, can be you can be in a place in your life where that's actually useful, you know, if, if you're bottomed yes. up, but then if you're in a place in your life where I can talk the respect of what you're saying where if you found yeah. that equilibrium, yeah, yeah, don't roll the dice again. This, this is a good place to be.
2: Well, exactly. And then and then the other side of it is I get nervous stemming back to my anxiety and depression. So mm. because like I, I used to be like younger, a little more into partying and that, that was great. But as my depression ramped up stuff that I used like if, if I was gonna, um, stuff that I used to do would, I would more often have bad experiences with it. Yeah. And, and it would, it would feed like right into my anxiety and depression. So I really got like, okay, no, I'm stepping back from all that. I can't handle that state. Cause even just my normal state was, was fraught with all kinds of negative stuff. So part of me is still like, I don't know what I'm going to find. I don't know what I'm going to find if I get in there. Like I, it might be just too, too much of a bad trip. Um, So I, yeah, that, that's sort of where I've got, like I've got my little world and I'm, and I'm good there. So I think this is a I two respect reasons. That, mate.
1: You yeah, know, I, I think it, 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 it comes back to the I think the, the spirituality thing we, we talked about earlier. I don't right. think it it kind of particularly matters um how you get there. I think what matters is that you get there and whether you do that through psychedelic drugs or whether you're doing it through sort of you know meditation or sort of martial arts or whatever it is, you know, that you know, or you know, studying or Whatever it is that sort of gets you that sense of alignment and that gets you to that sort yeah. of spiritual place, I think, I think, is all equally valid. I'm, I sort of, I'm, I certainly don't buy into this thing that, you know, every, we should put drugs in the water supply and everyone should tr- <laughs> trip out. I think that's absolutely
2: Well, you said, you said in your, in an email that, that you were, you sent to me earlier describing your channel and you are like, I, I wanna, I explore, I forget exactly how you phrase it, explore psychedelics to see how they can improve our lives. Mm. Right. And so, I'm exploring Swedenborg to see how it can improve our lives. So uh, the, really, like at the core, we have the same intent. Like the intent is how do you make life better for people? And I think- with, Well, I guess, with I guess if we can gonna stack
1: on that, I think what you're actually doing is, and, and probably certainly what I'm probably doing as well, we're, we're exploring ourselves to make our, mm-hmm. our lives better. And we're just, we're, we're kind of outsourcing to to a kind of almost like a third party in order right. to sort of like steer that that narrative, you know. So, uh, you know, I'm getting it from one set of experiences. You're getting it from a different set of experiences. And then, I think a part of this, and I think this is where a lot of the the, the positive benefits come come from it the, from these kind of things. Is that it's how you relate these things back to yourself. And we, we kind of refer to this as like integration. It's like how you yes. can sort of take this. And I, and I think this is one. I was one of your videos uh, I watched, Curtis, which I actually I really liked, where it was you, you talked about. Uh, checking yourself to stop becoming sort of like too entrenched as like kind of in a, like a religious fanatic kind of way yes and certainly this happens within my community or people will just again come up with sort of these absurd statements like oh everybody needs to do this high dose of this because it's a it's like no that that was that was you mate it's not everybody not everybody <laughs> needs to do this just chill you know yeah so yeah it's, like I kind it's of
2: like, like saying um every look i took vitamin d and it really helped me. Everyone's got to take vitamin D. Well, you don't know. You don't know if they have a deficiency or not, like you did. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah, everyone's trying to be the, be the doctor. <laughs> but yeah. what, can I just ask, in, in relation to Swedenborg stuff, what do you think was going on with him? And what, what, what do you think he was going through? Because, I mean, he doesn't make any particular yeah. reference, as far as I'm aware, to taking any, anything which would bring out these sort of states um yes yeah what should i take though
2: i yeah yeah i i think you're right that he doesn't i've never come across anything where he there's any reference to him taking substances and even he, he keeps like journals every day he'd be in there somewhere i feel like so i i think that everything has order and structure in it so these experiences that you're talking about the spiritual experiences people have it's some it's it's caused by something about how the brain gets structured right how how things affect the way substances are in the brain swedenborg got somehow into a condition where his mind and spirit were in an order or in a structure in which these experiences could come effortlessly to him mm-hmm. and i don't know like what, and I think what he was doing, it just was an awareness of um, a surrounding reality that that people tap into. I think like the, the near-death experience thing, for example, in the book that Raymond Moody coined that term, Dr. Raymond Moody, a near-death experience. Mm-hmm. In that book, he goes and looks at, well with all this, these people talking about, I saw the tunnel of light, I saw these beings, there was no time and space, everyone I could see all the moments of my life flash in front of me. He's like, well, if so many people around all these different hospitals and stuff are reporting this, it's got to be that back in history, somebody's mm-hmm. reporting it, unless this whole thing came into being in the last 20 years. So he, re- he refers to a few things like the, the Tibetan book of the dead, the Bible, I, I forget what else, but Swedenborg is one of those because there's such a strong parallel in this stuff that Swedenborg was recording in those people. So I think that Swedenborg got into a state, which I think is actually a state that is natural to human beings, but, but we, we don't see for so whatever, for a, a number of reasons. And I think he was observing a reality that affects all of us all the time. And that plenty of people get glimpses into, mm. but he just, he just got, mm this like backstage pass, like he was in a state where not only like, not only did he have good access to it, but he just had the right mind to really be able to understand it and catalog it because, because he was already so honed from doing the same thing about, he was a, a leading anatomist, right? He was an inventor and he was, uh, you know, working in government. He, he knew the, so the basis of how so many things worked and he knew how to, write a scientific paper he knew how to do observation science wasn't nearly as sophisticated back Mm -hmm. then as it is now but he knew how to write really clearly and how to categorize ideas and use the geometric style to make sure so i think that he had the dual whammy of a lot of access and the the right mind he was very smart i mean people try to estimate his iq as one of the highest of all times just based on what he was able to accomplish so he was able to i think not just like you can get a much more vivid and emotionally stirring description from a modern near-death experience or or somebody describing some kind of spiritual experience than you get from Swedenborg. But I it's I've never yet found something that's as as organized and comprehensive as what he describes, where he's not just saying, like, here's what you experienced when you went and visited a country. He's giving you like the history of that country and the way that international travel works, and even the way that. The human body works to let you go on he's given you the underlying mechanisms so i think no. he I, and i don't think he's described everything and i don't think he's described everything um in its full accuracy all the time but i think i don't i think it may be that he's the most he's, there's maybe more total comprehensive knowledge of the totality of reality in that package than i can find in any other single source so, so I, I
1: yeah. So so would you say that so it's <clears throat> I think you're to sort of come back to the, the sort of question, you think he's had some kind of <clears throat> biological shift, which is sort of whatever's happened, something's happened to his, his physiology or something's happened to his psychology, yeah. depending on where you want to place things. But something's right. happened to him and then he's been able to access these states. And so you could say this is yeah, if you went down the kind of the endogenous DMT route, he suddenly started overproducing this and so he was able to access these states, or he just had a Similar to sort of like Freud, um, <clears throat> sorry, not Freud, uh, uh, Carl Jung just got to a, a point in his life where they just had this. Um, I think he like uh, Jung referred to it like a spiritual crisis where it just it happened to him and yeah. it couldn't be put back in the box and it was just what once, once revealed it cannot be unrevealed. Um, so yes. something like like that is what is what you would su- suggest is happening to him.
2: Uh, yes, I think so, and and he certainly felt like he had a particular mission
1: Mm.
2: he felt like i am meant to disclose the nature of all this stuff like i'm on a mission and he would go and talk to beings in the afterlife and learn things from them so he was very much like there's there's people living there that have intent and he was trying to accomplish something but nothing happens except through means. So something would have had to happen in his body in order for that connection to happen. So he, he was, you know, and actually he, he continues to talk at length about the minutia of how the spiritual world and your, and your body interacts. Because he knew all this anatomy and all whenever, if you want, like some of the more bizarre stuff he talks about, he would go and talk to spirits, which to him, spirits are people who had died, right? You have a physical and a, a spiritual side of your body, like I was saying before, once the physical body dies, then you're just spiritual. So you're just, you're aware of your spiritual surroundings. That's where you're operating. But every spirit that he interacted with had relation to somewhere in the human body Mm because he saw the human body as the, the microcosm of the totality of, of existence. So basically like all the little cells in the body are performing some function for the greater whole people through what they love and the kind of person they become resemble certain functions in the human body. And so when someone comes and talks to you, that's a spirit, you can feel it in that part of your body. So, so he, yeah, he had this, everything there's, it's not like you can make a clean break. The two worlds are so enmeshed. He really, he described it more like the physical world is like the skin and the spiritual world is the muscle and bones underneath That They're absolutely interacting all the time
1: sorry can you hear is me right? now yeah you're back i i, I muted myself earlier because i was coughing sorry okay. um, there's a couple of parallels there that yeah that's standard to me one is in the in the world of people shamanism which is what i'm one of the things i'm kind of interested in i, I traveled to peru to to uh, partake in some of these sorts of traditional ceremonies and they're very entrenched in the kind of the concept of spirits and they're they they kind of map it out to that every um, basically every living thing has a spirit, and in particular the plants. so this is an Amazonian tradition, right. but each plant has a spirit, and then when you um, when you commune with these spirits by consuming some of these plants, um, then yeah, you are basically you that is your sort of uh, bridge to the spirit world, and yeah, it it feels very much kind of like what Swedenborg described. You you are dealing with autonomous Entities which are communicating in a way, which I mean, having been there, and I think I'm a pretty imaginative guy, but I could not have come up with this stuff. I don't think it's yeah. it was it's and the other kind of strange thing with it, which I wanted to sort of ask you is like if if you knew that if Swedenborg was already religious before these things, but I'll I'll, I'll cut to my anecdote, is that um, when, when I started really getting into these things. I, I would like yourself, I was also dealing with anxiety and that was, this was kind of my personal search for resolving these anxiety issues. I was not looking for any of this kind of spiritual stuff at all. In fact, I was so skeptical. I was so, I was, I was a militant atheist. I was, I had no time for all this kind of spiritual bullshit at all. (laughs) And then it just landed on my face and I, I was like, okay, right so this is the thing I need to shut up um yeah. <laughs> and so yeah so I I wasn't I don't, I don't feel like I was uh preloaded for this at all but do you know was that the case with Swedenborg was was he already religious or is this what kind of and I know just to be clear I'm not saying I'm, I'm religious no but I'm certainly a lot yeah. less of a militant dickhead <laughs> than I was <laughs> a, few, a few years ago yeah. so how where did he kind of sit there
2: yeah. Well, he, what, he did come from a Christian culture and a Christian family. So his father was a bishop in the Lutheran church, which that was like the state religion of the time. So he was preloaded. I will say that the, the world and the ideas that he discovered went directly against a lot of the mm. core teachings of what you had there. Yeah. So, so um, it's funny because Swedenborg is like a classified as a Christian mystic. You open it up, you see all those terms, but on almost every major point of, of the core beliefs of Christianity, he, he has a very opposed idea. And he, this is part of why he got in so much trouble because he was saying, for example, um, well, he's saying like, there's heaven and hell, right? Heaven and hell are these central doctrines in christianity and the the as far as i understand i'm not a religious scholar but the the picture of heaven and hell that the lutheran church had in sweden in his day was that there's hell is this place of eternal torment that you're sent if you don't accept jesus usually through a verbal confession and heaven is the reward for doing so and Actually, you don't go to there right after you die. You wait in the grave until Jesus Christ comes back and then you, your body gets resurrected. Mm-hmm. These, this, that's the heaven and hell. But Swedenborg came back saying that, that yes, that he saw magnificent, wonderful things that he called heaven and, and terrifying and um, destructive things that he called hell. But he said that like, those are primarily states of mind. Like it's a state of mind that causes those things and that hell is not a punishment Hell is just the state of enjoying what is destructive to other people, and heaven is the state of enjoying what is constructive to other people. So a bunch of people that love harming other people create miserable conditions, a bunch of people that love helping other people create idyllic conditions. He was also very adamant that you didn't need to be in the Christian faith to go to heaven, that, that heaven is a matter of doing rightly by what you believe, and this was something that was Um, Christians didn't like that at the time there's a bunch of stuff that he came so he did maintain a lot his idea of God changed not not unrecognizably but there was this very strong belief in a trinity of gods in in Swedenborg's day where there's a father son and holy spirit and they're different persons and the, the father was angry at the human beings so he sent Jesus and the son had to get sacrificed but he was saying no it's just it's just one God it's just talking about it like you have a spirit a body and a and actions in your life that's what the father son and holy spirit are in god so it's not unrecognizably but christian but there's enough of a distinction there that that he got in a lot of trouble for it
1: yeah it's it seemed to me that it's it was causing him to reframe it so i think you know he he kept a lot of the sort of stuff that was the the sort of um that, you know because the, there are these these sort of strong sort of links to, to faith at least through the bits that I'm, that I'm aware of yes but, but yeah he, I, I, he he seems to reframe things in a way which I can certainly imagine was pretty heretical <laughs> in, in, in the day of you know it <laughs> okay. sort of he talks uh, if, I'm, if i'm correcting sort of visiting other planets and communing with other uh, other life forms and yes stuff which really kind of shakes up a lot of the um Human centric sort of you know biblical stuff. Uh, so yeah, so, so yeah, I can I can imagine that went down like a like a lead balloon at the time.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, he has a lot of not. He has a lot of descriptions of talking to extraterrestrial spirits. So not that he actually went to other planets physically, but that there's no time and space spiritually. So you can talk. You could talk to people from all throughout the universe yep, that's a great way to not win you friends in the scientific community and the religious community. Um, But in part, I I think he, you know, he had this message that he felt like he he wanted to tell people about, as I was saying, about how to live the good life and what we're supposed to do. And really, it seems like some of the more out there spiritual experiences that he talked about, he was putting those out because people were requesting them. That's what people wanted to know about. And he was trying to use them. To, to lead back, actually, his book, um, Heaven and Hell, which was his best-selling book, that was only released after people were asking all about that, because he was trying to just talk about like philosophy and how you, how you live and stuff. But people started to hear that he'd been having these out-of-body experiences. So he's like, okay, I'll tell you all about that so that you'll come in and, and learn this, this other stuff. But yeah, definitely a, a lot of things outside of the Christian mold and things that that, yeah, now... He'll use Christian language to describe things that seem to me much more universal. He, he'll even like the term church. He'll talk about the church a lot. Mm. But when he's saying church to him, sure, he'll sometimes use it to describe organizations, but he'll use, he'll say like historically there were these different churches in humanity and that they're really these eras of spiritual understanding, because he'll say that there's a bunch of different religions could be part of the same church. It has to do with this fundamental way that people approach spirituality. But really the core thing, the core concept that is church is this particular state within an individual of the joining of con, g- true concepts you have with good impulses, that that's what the, the church is at its core. So it's like, it's stuff that would you could put in some kind of new age book, if, if you took out his christian language around it but yet it also interfaces with the, the christian world that he was um raised and immersed in
1: so so church excuse me church becomes like an abstract is that is yeah if you just unpack that this church thing a bit for me so church is a sure. if i i have a, a certain um you know belief or, or alignment or or, or or objective is it somehow and that if i'm if I'm other people who share this thing, that, that is a, a church with not, not a, not necessarily a physical thing, although it could certainly build yeah. a physical thing, but is that, am I on the right track there?
2: That, that's right. So I think b- before you were talking about, or we were, we were talking about how uh, bo- both of our channels have the intent to improve life for people. And then we have our various means through which we do it. Mm-hmm. Our intent to improve people's lives would make us a church, regardless okay. of the doctrine of that church is the forms in which. We try to do it, and even if those are different, um, and he says the, the, that that's the way that religion and spirituality is supposed to be: is that you have um, it's what you love that matters, and if if you're putting that first, particularly if you're putting love for the the welfare of of the human race first, you you ought, that makes it so you don't get as offended by differing ideas. That it's actually a symptom of the loss of the core love of religion that you have people going wanting to kill each other over what they do or don't believe it's because there's this missing element that, that is so he talks about the church the universal church around the world people don't even know that they're in it together but what it is is it's everybody who is living rightly by what they think is true
1: i think i quite like that that, that concept as um the kind of because church, I, I think we, the term "church" is is a, is a very powerful term, and I think it's because of its embodiment in these sort of physical locations. Which certainly, in, in my upbringing in the UK, had just lost all meaning. It was it was just yeah. this, acti- this activity of going to church, and it just sucked. It, it was, and it had it, I, I yeah. couldn't relate to it. It had nothing to do with me. I don't think the the guy who was preaching was just not on my wavelength. The, the people around me all looked like they were equally as bored as I was. <laughs> but yeah, when whenever you sort of hear of, of um, something that really encapsulates uh, the sense of shared community, then the word church is often thrown up. You'll so, you know people talk about like a, a psychedelic church or a um, you know even I think you know Kanye West has you know has recently you know not recently but a while ago started doing this kind of like Sunday services concept of a, right. a, a musical church just just to sort of just to get everyone in one place with the same idea I think it was broadcast on you know online or something. so the, the church concept um, I think is, is very powerful and the word is very kind of loaded and it kind of yeah t- taps into something within us that way it's like okay this is this is bigger than me there's something this is it's being a part of thing it's very similar to community but it's kind of it's a bit further than community. Cause I think you sort of, you, you really are sort of selling over to um, something bigger than yourself. Um, you know, community, communities, like people sort of working together, but then it's like, okay, we're working together in service of th- this thing that is just, is, is kind of greater than any of us. And again, it could be, it could be anything, any kind of ideal or, or divine being, or whatever you want to put it there, but yeah. it's a very sort of powerful concept. So I, I do like that sort of reframing of church. Cause I think that's, um, yeah, just like as I described, it, I think the concept of church these days sucks, and it just turns a lot of people off, and, and something's yeah. being lost there that we're throwing the baby out with the bathwater, maybe.
2: Well, that's great. Cr- I, I love your observation about the power of the word church, that it is when, when somebody's going to write an article about a group of people who get together, and they call it the church of something, even though it's not technically, it does add this power to it. Yeah, oh, wow, we really are. It just, it means we're vibing together on mm-hmm. this thing. And the funny thing is the church, the literal church that you're describing before doesn't sound at all like church mm-hmm. because it's like, we're, we're not together. Everyone's bored. We don't know what we're here. This is not relevant. There's no, there's no love for something that's brought us together. We're not mm-hmm. here because this is moving us. And because it's something that inspires us and we really love it. We're here for, for what Swedenborg would call external reasons. We're here because our parents are making us come here. We're here because the neighbors would be like, why didn't you go to church? If you don't go to church, we're here because you're supposed to do it versus, you know, it's a little corny, but like our heart brought us somewhere. Mm. And then when you're there with other people whose hearts brought them somewhere. Yeah. Oh, you, when you, oh yeah, this is kind of like a church and it's exciting. It's like, oh yeah, we're like really together on this thing.
1: Yeah. And also, I mean, I think when you just talked about the church of it, it invokes something. I think this is something. I, I don't know what your, what your your feelings on these guys. are. And I don't necessarily want to pull it out. Of you but you know the classic example is the Church of Scientology. It it's invoking right. that that authority of that thing, whether for for good or for evil. But you know yeah. it, it you know the Church of Satan. You know it it it's yes. it's, it's straight away it's kind of um, solidifying. Your, yeah, your ideal and your your concept into something bigger than the sort of like the Facebook group of, exactly, (laughs) exactly,
2: yeah. I don't and I don't. The only thing I know of Scientology is I watched that show with Leah Remini in it. Mm. Have you seen that? I have. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm absolutely fascinated by Scientology. Um, purely from the kind of the popcorn munching, (laughs) 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 I, I think those guys are are completely nuts. But it's it's fascinating how, um how uh, passionate they've become in this very young religion with yes. sort of, with, with not really any sort of background to it. And, and the background that is there to it is because it was, because it, it has popped up in such recent times. It's very available as to, uh, you know, the, there's not very much mystery as to, as to what this guy was, was up to. And it's kind of writing this. And so it's kind of, it's very obviously strange, but then these people get very yeah. into it, and they've been able to sort of wield quite a lot of power with it, um, and yeah. almost to, to this destructive, um, to, which Lay Remley started talks about a, a lot, or just how sort of bizarre some of these practices are. So, uh, yeah, right. it's, it's it's fascinating. I, I really, I, I whenever there's a new Scientology documentary, I go straight down that rabbit hole.
2: Yeah, so I, I think it shows the power of church as a concept. Mm like you were saying, and yeah, like I say, like I only know it through the documentary, but it seems like the people in that Church of Scientology are like really ruthless and brutal and using that I that title and the the trappings that go along with being a church to really control people. Mm-hmm. and that Sweden Swedenborg was saying that this is because the this need, there's an underlying reality that that we do gather in these churches based on what you love. That that is a real thing for human beings. So we're inherently vulnerable to being controlled by organizations that assume that mantle. And Swedenborg, I mean, he he spends probably more energy on um, calling out the churches of his day than than on anything else. That he he was he was constantly pointing out how destructive it is, particularly when you organize a church around anything other than universal love or, or love for the good of the whole human race, that that, that is what he, what he says love of God is, is to love doing what is good and useful. As soon as you get into something else, you end up with the love of control usurping that, and then it's a tool that people can use to control each other and, and get what they want.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I, there's, there's kind of two couple things she said there that I, I'd kind of like to, so I'm just going to make sure I've gotten down here. So one I, I picked up from one of your videos is, uh, or, I thought, or it might have actually been one of your colleagues, but a, a description of uh, God is love and wisdom. And I, I, I'll, I don't disagree with that in particular, but I did have um, a kind of an experience myself where it kind of, because i think that's quite a comforting thought that sort of um god and the sort of the the uh, feeling of god as a kind of like a, a benevolent for want of a better word super being um yeah. sort of overseeing this creation that is un- unfolding to some sort of grand design and i had, I had an experience of god um as when I, mean, I i know and mean, I, I i interchange sort of you know god universal consciousness the creative force whatever you want to call it yeah um i don't particularly subscribe to it the kind of uh, the religious angle um but as as just some oh, i say just some that i don't want to make it sound too <laughs> too thing but, but basically <laughs> um it would be like giving a a newborn child uh, omnipotent superpowers just to sort of that every thought that is manifested is just happening so it's like whatever emotional states or dream or like you know you can just imagine some baby just, just waving its arm through the air with pure wonder and just the universes are popping into, into existence on the on the whim of some thing which has no idea what it is or even how to con- to possibly like have no idea that the the scale of what is it is doing that that it is just by the blink of an eye our entire existence has come into being and it's just—it it was just—it seemed to be within this particular experience of a something that is not in control of itself, um, and that is all just unfolding as a kind of like a hopefully, or sometimes not, happy accident. Um, And so, I, I that, when I heard that quote of like God is love and wisdom, and again, I've certainly had experiences where, where God has been love and wisdom. So I have I have many Sorry. of these experiences, but I just I just. Yeah, I, I was. It kind of gave me pause for thought. The of, um, yeah, is is this? It, it seemed that seemed a little too um, assured. And I think, I think maybe maybe that there is, is this something that's kind of like baked into the into the, the doctrine, or is it? You know, is is this just like a, a you know, a, a possible thinking? Because I, I think certainly my take after experiencing these different things. And, and I think that's this is one of the things when you do put yourself through one of these experiences, you cannot yeah. unexperience it. And so each one is, is kind of becomes as, as almost as valid as, as the others. And so you, you end up at a point where you've got to say, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what's going on. I think it's amazing. I think what, what's going on is, is beyond my comprehension. It's very humbling because you're like, okay, I know nothing <laughs> here. Um, yeah, but it, yeah. but it, but it's, it's kind of, um, yeah. So I, I just wanted, I just wondered, like, what, what would convince, what's convinced y- yourself or Swedenborg that sort of it is love and wisdom rather than just, just chaotic explosions of experience.
2: Yeah. Well, um, I, I love mm-hmm. the idea that baby making things happen, like, like you're talking about that. So. Let's see. So Swedenborg uses these terms, love and wisdom, just more than you could possibly imagine. He just uses them all over the place, love and wisdom. But what what he means by them is fairly complicated, and I struggle to understand the whole thing. So, love and wisdom are the two substances that make up everything. He says that, or not two substances, but the two elements that make up everything. So, love is the underlying reality of everything and wisdom is the form that that reality takes. So, and I was just trying to nail down, because it could be that like there's an underlying reality, which is mouse. And then this is the, the form that this one takes. So that is what God is substance and form. But also in Swedenborg says there's an image of, love and wisdom in everything that exists anywhere. So there's an image of substance and form and that everything that they're supposed to be united to each other. And when they're not united, that's what causes problems. So what we were just talking about with the religion thing, they're supposed to be love and wisdom together. So Mm -hmm. supposed to be the desire to do what's good married to the ideas that, that you have. Um, But when you subtract the love and you just end up with what Swedenborg calls faith alone, which is wisdom without love, then there's a problem. So, so that's all through everything. As far as God being love and wisdom. Well, he says that all of, yes, Swedenborg definitely describes an organized God. He has a whole book that's called divine providence, which is Mm -hmm. like, this is the system by which life unfolds. And the system has an intent to it and the intent is to through all of the events that happen in everyone's life lead them to a lasting state of happy state of mind um but he definitely talks about innocence and wisdom going hand in hand that the the greatest it's just funny when you're saying i don't know anything he says that it is it is wisdom to admit That what we know is nothing compared to what we don't know, and that also that that happy state of mind, the the state of heaven, is impossible without what he calls innocence. So I'm just when you were talking about the baby, the God God as the baby, that made me think of it. That that is the core of what God is. He has a a more, he always has his own definition for words. Like he'll Hmm. talk about, he'll use a word that we usually use innocence and it usually means close to what we normally mean by it, but it's got these extra layers on it. Well, he'll talk about innocence and he'll say that, yeah, innocence is like little kids. When you see them, they have this air of innocence, but that's not actual innocence. It's only external innocence because they don't know any better that there is an innocence of wisdom, which that is, a willingness to be led by what is good and true. And you can get into that only once you have had the chance to not be in that state and you come in and choose it for yourself. So I don't think I have a a really clear answer to your question there, but I, I do Swedenborg does describe a God who, who knows what's going on. um, But, but yet is, um, has this like playful innocence inside of it. Um, yeah, so that's what I'll say.
1: Yeah, I think that's <clears throat> that's a part of. I think this is where I've I kind of um, r- drift out a bit with kind of most sort of religion is that it's it it does always seem very human centric. Um, in that we're yeah. alwe- we're always kind of imagining this higher power as something like us, and I did notice this kind of coming through in a lot of Swedenborg sort of descriptions of. You know, even when he talks about sort of traveling to other planets and communing with other races, they, it was a, a fairly—it was—it was almost like you know, here's some humans on other, here's some life forms on another planet. They're kind of like us. We're going to have a chat about it, and you know, you know, angels and sort of demons, but very kind of like human centric. And I think this is this is one of the kind of the, the things where I think yeah, psychedelic experiences are very eye opening. Because they are so so bizarre. Um, and I, I can bizarre almost has like a negative conversation, but they're amazingly bizarre in the most fantastic, sure. yeah. fantastic ways. Um, well, hopefully, anyway, you can also have <laughs> extremely disturbing ones, but they are um the idea of of kind of humanness um can almost become absurd in these points. So this is why you, you often very often you see people just in hysterics um at just I mean I've got plenty of videos on my own yeah. channel just me absolutely creasing my aside laughing because the the notion then of when you come back into this human body it's like this is ridiculous this is I've just explored yeah. 14 different dimensions of, of of being and now I'm back to the into this monkey suit it's 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 yeah. it's just so funny um and then, you know the, the kind of the cosmic joke is how it's often referred to and um, I, I just wanted to tie that back to what what we're talking about with um, sort of religion and sort of like the the organised religion, because um, I did notice there was a lot of stuff that came across in in box or for at least your your retelling of it, where th- it did seem very structured. I think there was you know a video I watched of yours recently of like sort of um, in the room with you. Now there is two angels and two demons, um, right? Like like this, and the, there is a, a a sort of a um, input coming from each, and somewhere in the middle is 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 you. Is, is you, you're getting feedback from this? And I, I was kind of reminded not to not to you know try and make fun of or anything, but just to draw sort of parallels. and whenever sort of religions uh, get very specific about these kind of numbers, you know, like seventy-two virgins in heaven, sort of thing. Yeah, right, like, right. Like, why <laughs> why 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 the numbers? Um, so I guess that's quite like is is. At that point, it seems like it's there is a a a system here being pro something that you that you could get dogmatic about. Like, you know, there could be some some challenger to your position. Like, say, oh well, you know, I know actually, I I had, you know, I did this and that. Actually, there was three, and then you have you have the the divide, the divide of, 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 of 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 the stuff. So, so yeah, what what are your thoughts, sir, around around this that specificity and um? Like why? Yeah, why were the kind of numbers important and stuff?
2: Yeah. So I think that the best way that I can avoid getting mm. the division you're talking about is if somebody says there's three, I'll be like, oh, okay. Thank you for sharing that. You know, like, okay, cool. and that's actually like that's no joke. To to try to do that is the hardest thing about spirituality mm. because because otherwise it's just. What, what am what am I in love with here? Am I in love with the the thinking that I can do some good for the human race, or is it just my ego? is like, oh, I can be a spiritual teacher, and the cool thing about being a spiritual teacher is that people will say <laughs> I'm right about everything, and I get to say, but but as soon as somebody says something different, then that defeats my my purpose, and then I get mad. So uh, so that's that's you know my job and the job of like all of us. I, Religious ideas are not. It, it's great to find out how to hold them a bit loosely, but I'll give you some like the specificity of what Swedenborg is describing there. Why is it two, why two angels, why two evil spirits? And I don't know, I wouldn't even say according to Swedenborg that, that I could know. There's so many different situations he describes and things, but the reason why he gets that specific there is that you remember I was talking about love and wisdom mm. before there being mm. an element of love and wisdom and everything. He says that in human beings, we have two primary um vessels or organs spiritually speaking that receive the two elements so you have your will which is or or your volition it's sometimes translated we would probably call it your feelings slash motivations the emotive side of you your so your will is the like the organ that receives the the love and then your intellect or your understanding is the organ that receives the ideas so the Swedenborg is saying, well, you have to have equilibrium in order to be a, uh, in order to have the kind of consciousness where I can just go do whatever I want, and so you have you have to have balancing forces from uh, negative and positive on both your mind and your heart. Hmm. So you have one of those with each of you, and and the as the spiritual world as a whole works, it's not just like it's one all. It's it's much like the internet or everything is really connected. So any one individual that you're interacting with has a bunch of connections to other individuals and it's and I'm you know who knows it may have even changed in the time since he was writing. But yes, I think that and and I'm sure that what he's describing is like a little slice. I mean if even if I said if you go to Philadelphia, this is what you're going to see okay, it might be there, but there's a lot of other stuff in Philadelphia and that's going to, so I think it's really about um, making sure I got my priorities straight and, and what, what's my, so the way that I check that is how in love am I with my own intelligence, which means how, how much am I just here to feel good about seeming like I'm the smartest guy in the room and, and my trigger when people when people don't acknowledge me is like look at me I'm I'm this guy on YouTube and look at this I got all these views and, and that. so that's that's one thing that I gotta do and then and then see um, try to you can't really know like do I have a good motivation doing this do I have a good motivation doing that but what you can do is when obviously destructive impulses come to you. The, to try to not act those out or not treasure those or not um, get. So doing that is the best way you can in, can try to ensure that you're coming at things from good motives. So I, I think there is a lot of specificity in Swedenborg. There's got to be some objective truth about how things, even if it's a much more complicated spiritually. I mean, there's definitely like on the physical level, like I've got a pen here one microphone there's is an arrangement of things there's there's some kind of arrangement of whatever else is going on but yeah I I bet that it's going to be so complicated that that even what Swedenborg is describing is just a very crude description of it and he even says that he was he had this experience where he was talking to a couple of angels about his books and they were saying basically saying this this stuff is not that great like it's it's so crude like it it, it barely describes anything and, and he's saying he wrote this in his journal and he's he's saying well yeah but this is this is the best that that can be done and mm-hmm. this is the way people this is the only way people are going to understand this so i think that yeah it's just it's about imagine if 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 you try to I think about biology because I was studying biology in in college because I wanted to do like conservation biology. I've always loved nature, ecosystems and stuff like that. But if you get into like the way that the human body works, you have to know exactly what you're talking about to perform surgery or something Mm. or or, or design a new medicine. You have to know so specifically. So I'm not under any um, belief that my knowledge of the way that state of the spiritual world is around you is precise enough something like that it's just going to be a real approximation because actual things are so complicated uh that that you can study them you can study them for your whole life and only know little bits of them right
1: yeah and and this is where i think um this uh, you know the the kind of the specificities is is something i kind of like i was a bit worried because when i when i've had these experiences myself it is um it, it is beyond the comprehension of of me in my 3D kind of state of being now, I mean, that's, if, if, if I could, you know, I wouldn't have any, any needs to go, to go and do the, the crazy uh, sort of Amazonian sort of jungle medicines. Um, it is, and, and I think to think of it in terms of um, like it being organized in a way that is comprehensible to uh, the sort of the human being. Um, I, I don't think it is. I, it, I mean, it, it is when you were there as we kind of described again it, it feels incredibly structured but it's structured in a sort of it's it's almost kind of it's like this sort of if you've seen the movie interstellar where at the end he's in the sort of yep. he's in the tesseract thing and even that's some crazy sort of 4d object but it makes sense to him at the moment and he's he's seeing some representation of it as much as he can understand it's i mean even that's not even anywhere close and uh, and when you sort of come back from it you you have to kind of just this is where the, the narrative part comes in and the meaning. You have to sort of uh, compile it down into something that you can use. Um, because, yeah, and, and it's, it, it's the, the, even the ability to process it in, in the form you received it is now slipping away from you as, as you come yeah. out, out of the experience. So it's. Um, yeah.
2: I, Swedenborg would, would describe, he described a couple of times <clears throat> going and seeing something when he was in the spirit and then coming back and trying to write about it and being upset that he, even though it was so obviously understandable to him there, that he couldn't, he couldn't understand it and couldn't write it down. And yeah, that there's, yeah. and, and he will, he will provide a lot of, he says that you can approximate a lot of this stuff in, in ways that we can understand. But often when he's writing, he'll say, and this can't be understood by any earthly idea. This can't be understood. So he, yes, I, I he does get pretty specific and I'm not trying to say, oh, that you, you have to, like think that's great but i will say there's plenty of times in there when he's like this is this is i'm not going to try to explain this i'm not going to try to explain this so
1: yeah i I mean i I can i can definitely relate and i think this is i think the the only way that it it can be communicated is in you know in in meaning in narration this Hmm. is what it meant to me Um, yeah it's not this is not some fundamental axiom because yeah even to me this was absolutely bonkers but here's how i interpreted that and i think this is where um a lot comes from from the kind of the, the, the spiritual sort of experiences with you know even related to to your own sort of uh relationship with with sweden bosworth it's yeah what what does this mean to, rather than just dogmatically we said he said this therefore it's this it's well yeah how do how can i integrate this what what does it sort of mean to me but i just want to <clears throat> circle back to the to the, uh, the, the, the two angels and, and two demons in, because I think this is something else which I'd like to un- unpack a little bit with you um, in regards to the the inputs of of these things, spirits, whatever I want to call them, um, and also the, the concept, which I've heard mentioned in quite a few of your videos. I watched a few, a few of your talks, and it seemed like a very fundamental principle there was the concept of free will. And... I wonder, I was, I was kind of. It, it seemed to me when I saw the, the angels and demons thing that there was a bit of a, uh, a clash here because, on the one hand, you're being fed inputs from some external source, but then we're talking about sort of free will. And just to clarify, I, I am absolutely not sure where I sit at all on the free will. Debate. Sure, um, I have moments where I absolutely feel like I have total agency of myself and I'm, I'm completely free will, and then I have moments where I feel just like a pane of glass just moving through experience and stuff is just happening to me. And even, you know, the, if I stop and think about it now, I'm not particularly authoring these words that are coming out of my mouth. They just are doing. So given the kind of, you know, the inputs of the, of the spiritual, um, what, what sort of, how, how do you then solidify this into this, this strong belief in, in free will?
2: That the experience you're talking about there where you're speaking and you just take a second to reflect uh, where like where is this conveyor belt coming from that's mm-hmm. giving me my next how am i stringing sentences together how am i getting a subject and a and a predicate here i have that i get that a lot because i i have to give speeches and things and there's so, it, sometimes you're just pretty much on autopilot but yet you're making plenty of sense yeah, but so, it, it also
1: yeah. allows for you to then um surprise yourself because then sometimes you go yeah. on autopilot and you're like wow I am on form but like this is this is actually really good I should have recorded this this is a good one and so yeah. it's yeah there is something there where it's this this idea that I'm authoring things Um it, it I think logically it falls down even though experientially it feels like I'm doing it but I if I stop and think about it for a minute it yeah I, I can't claim it at all but sorry I, I interrupted yeah everything.
2: No, that that's great. Um, and I'm, I'm trying not to just say, Oh, everything you say is just like Swedenborg, but, <laughs> but um, the funny thing about Swedenborg's free will is that it's not necessarily free will, like, like you'll often hear that term described because he's very big on that. We don't originate things. That okay. there's communal pathways through which consciousness comes. Um, the There's an emanation of consciousness from the divine, which then passes through all these different spirits and angels and everything we're talking about, and we're we're one link in that chain. so just like just like we were talking about the the stuff that's coming through you, the window pane is is pretty good but the free will that he talks about is essentially i think and this is this is like it's it's a bit paradoxical and it's something that i'm trying to wrap my head around but it's really more about our choice in which influences we take to ourselves and express mm. so and it's not maybe like in every instant moment it's more about over time what are you building into yourself so the free freedom he talks about freedom always in relation to enjoyment of something he talks about a free when he says there's a freedom to do what is good that means there is an enjoyment in doing what is good and a freedom to do what is harmful. There's there, it's fun to make fun of people or steal things from people. And so you have that when you there's these freedoms to do each means there are pleasures in doing each. And I think, and we are yeah we are from the spiritual world being given this buffet of options. You know throughout the day I can I can laugh at this person I can help this person I can you know ruminate on these uh harmful thoughts i cannot and it's like the the not attrition but accumulation of your choices that if, I, if i'm continually choosing uh to um enjoy insulting people and and cutting them down i'm using my freedom to more and more make that who i am right and wait, wait, so you you,
1: say, if i could just pin you down this when you when you say choosing that because I don't, yeah. I, I think we, we could all relate to um, that sort of um, gleeful destruction or that gleeful sort of malice. You know, you, you we've all experienced it at school where you're just yeah. an, an absolute asshole to, to, to some poor kid for some reason. And then you kind of, re- you know, hopefully regret it in later life. And it, it, you do enjoy it. it does, there's something, yeah, sort of... Um, yeah some some kind of perverse enjoyment in that but if you could choose yeah. then i don't think anybody i i would would say i choose to do that i think we, we would all choose to be better people if we could um i hmm. i think you'd have to be a very strangely so when you say choose can we like I, I is that the point of authorship do you think that there is somebody there somewhere who's like today I'm just going to be an asshole. like I'm just, I'm just gonna I am just gonna feed that part of me which is just darkest and just just revel in it
2: I think that it has to do with what justification or lack thereof we put on that stuff so when I think when you're uh, yeah I, I can think back to being in middle school like which is like seventh and eighth grade, and just being total jerk to other kids, mm-hmm. and I don't think at the time, I don't think I really had much of a choice. I mean, at, at that age, I I just I distinctly remember when I first started to really understand that other people are other people, mm-hmm. and, and it was it was uh, you know whatever probably way too late <laughs> twenty or something like that. Yeah, he just didn't, and I remember being. Mm-hmm. um being a a kid and we would like go, go run around and trespass or jump in people's pools or something like that. And you, you just have zero sense of the sense of psychological insecurity you're giving Mm -hmm. them that that, like, if now that I'm like a homeowner, if somebody had been messing with my property, oh man, that would, but you don't, you don't have any sense of that you're just you're just like oh it's dangerous and and let's try not to get caught you're, you're not even it's not even really malice it's it's just like okay this is fun and, I and so it's, it's, I, it's
0: that
1: innocence thing maybe like you talk around in the beginning, but, yeah. but it's like it's the, it's the perverse opposite of that innocence yeah. it's that kind of yeah i think if, if you if you would you know stop and realize that that the, possibly the harm yeah. that you come in there maybe what would, you wouldn't have done it but you just don't have that kind of wet were at the time. Yeah, that's right. You just, yeah, it's it's a pool. I'm going to jump in it. Why not? Yeah,
2: right. You're not, you're not reflexive. I think that, I think that it comes down to our willingness to examine ourselves and, and look at, just look, You know, go through the process of what Swedenborg calls self-examination. So I'm going to stop for a minute and think about the kinds of things that I do. And, and, and really look at, uh, are some of these things harmful and like, and, and taken in, in whatever way you can make the effort to pursue that. Because he says that if, if you don't examine yourself, you naturally, because of the joy, negative things give you, you just, well, that person deserved it. I'm teaching them a lesson, something which sometimes you may be, this is why, as you're saying before, I can't go over and tell you. How to be? Because I don't know what's going on in your motivation stuff. But but for yourself, you can try. So you'd look and you'd say, "Hey, this particular thing that I do, that I, I think if I really consult my, you have like your two parts, your your will and your intellect." And he says, "On the will side, you can't tell the difference. You just like something feels good, something feels good. You but on the intellect, you can start to, based on what you've learned and what you know, you can start to form an idea that I I suspect that." this is maybe not right for me to be doing that
1: mm-hmm.
2: and in in a period of reflection setting an intention then that when that comes up again i'm not going to participate in it i think that would be more of that that's what the choosing is and and the the reverse of that wouldn't be really like i'm going to go be evil i love being evil it would be more like you're doing something that where you're you know exploiting a bunch of people or or doing some great humans rights abuse and you you sort of compartmentalize that Mm -hmm. and come up with a story that says, oh, this is why I'm okay. This is why it's fine. When, if you had, you do have the overall capacity to investigate that. Should you, should you want to, and and perhaps notice that these people don't want to be exploited like that. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I know know what you mean, man. I think that's a great explanation. But I think this is probably a good place to tie it up because we've been talking for 90 minutes now, and I, I could actually, I could probably go another 90 minutes, Curtis, but I do feel yeah. my underlying sickness getting the better of, of me to be honest. And I feel the need yes. to cower under a blanket with a hot with a drink and, and some painkillers. Yeah. So I just want to say, <clears throat> excuse me, I just want to say, Curtis, I've really enjoyed this, uh, this conversation. And I've, uh, yeah, and you sort of, your, your, your willingness to sort of uh to, to talk about the about these topics i think it's kind of unusual um for people to think about someone you know from a, a, a sort of a religious angle and the sort of the you know the psychedelic subculture angle to uh, sort of come together and, and be able to have a conversation like this so i'm, I'm really uh, i'm really grateful you could you could do it with such a such a, such a friendly and approachable way mate yeah
2: well i, I really enjoyed it and and thank you for braving uh, your illness to um <laughs> To get this I hope, I hope it wasn't too yeah.
1: too off putting.
2: <laughs> it wasn't. It, yeah, it, it was a really enjoyable conversation, and I appreciate. I just feel like you're you're thoughtful and and smart, and I've enjoyed this hour.
1: That's great. Um, is there anything any sort of where you want to point people to if you wanted to learn more about yourself or your organization sure. or or Swedenborg?
2: Yeah, YouTube dot com slash off the left eye. We have a channel called Off the Left Eye, where yeah, I've got we got a thousand videos of all kinds of the ins and outs of the philosophy that I've been talking from here or there. there. Uh, if, if you want to download any of Swedenborg's books for free, go to Swedenborg.com.
1: Okay, and I'll put some links in the in the description uh, below so people can be able to find the stuff uh, very easily. But yeah, again, Curtis, uh, thanks a lot, mate. I've really enjoyed this conversation. I hope perhaps I get a chance to do it again when I am a slightly a slightly healthier than I am uh, yeah. right now. And uh, yeah, just thank, thanks a lot, mate. It's, it's been great. Thank
2: you.